Praise God as we gather on this Sunday to reflect with the whole church on this great gift of God's amazing plan. And what I'd like to kind of start off with before we dive into the actual scriptures is to think about the whole plan of God for His church. Everything in this building, everything in the church is all designed and orchestrated by God for one specific reason. And that's that you and I allow God to get closer to us. God desires, <clears throat> God hungers to get close to us. And this is the whole point and plan of whole of Christianity is God's wanting to get close to us. Think of the Eucharist. The Eucharist is God getting close to us. Confession, God getting close to us. Baptism, God getting close to us. Confirmation, God getting close to us. Matrimony, God getting close to us. Anointing of the sick, God getting close to us. Holy orders, God getting close to us. Reading scripture, God getting close to us. Adoration, God getting close to us. Candles, incense, holy water, all worship, music, all calling what? Human beings to let God get close to them. The whole incarnation is about God taking on a human nature so that He could come close to us. He could see us. He could touch us. He could listen to us. So God enters into the human experience. He enters into humanity. All of the church, all of the sacraments, all of prayer, all organized and designed or all for one reason. What is it? To allow God to get close to us. And so with that in mind, I'd like you to Think about right now, what does God want to say to you right now? Because you got to be in the now. you got to be right here because the Holy Spirit is right here, right now, as you're listening, as you hear this message preached, as you hear the scriptures broken open. God is right here, right now. And He wants you to give Him a fresh set of ears right now that you can listen to how He wants to speak to you personally, individually and uniquely. God wants to speak a word into your life right now, right here. But see, I say that because there's a part of our minds and hearts that are that are unbelieving. We, we kind of give the God this idea that God is so big and God sees the whole of humanity as some corporate body, which is true, but he also sees us as his unique individual beloved sons and daughters. And he also died on that cross. When he was on that cross, he was thinking specifically about each person individually as if they were the only person on the face of the earth. He has that kind of personal love. Just because we don't have, <coughs> excuse me, just because we don't have that capability to love everyone on earth with a very personal, intimate love doesn't mean the God of the universe can't love you with a very personal, intimate love. So surrender right now. Give God some space. Give God a, a permission. Give God a, 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 some, some room here to, <clears throat> to enter into your heart. I'm going to ask you to turn off your security system, meaning turn off the guard in your heart and let the Lord in. Let Him, what He's about to say to you in this gospel and in this first reading today with Nathan and Dave, David and, and how God spoke into their lives and the sinful woman in the gospel we're going to hear about, how God spoke into their lives. God wanted to get close to the sinful woman. God wanted the sinful woman to get close to Him. God wanted to get close to David. God wanted 
David to allow him close. Okay? So let's look at the first reading. Before we dive into that, you have in the first reading, God is sending the prophet Nathan to David. Why is God doing that? So God wants to get close to David. So he sends a prophet into David's life. Because this first reading that we heard today in the scriptures about, you know, Nathan um, proclaiming to David, you know, you basically, you, 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 you committed adultery with Bathsheba and you, you had Uriah, the wife, the husband of Bathsheba, uh, murdered by putting him in the front lines. <clears throat> so let's go a chapter before, chapter 11, 2 Samuel um, chapter 11. If you have time to read that, read it. 2 Samuel chapter 11, 2 Samuel chapter 12 is what this first reading kind of is all about. So in this scripture, you have, um, in the beginning of chapter 11, it says, you know, on the beginning of this year, um, the king was set out on his campaign. But this year, David sent Joab into battle and remained in Jerusalem. I was listening to Father, or, or now Bishop Barron, speak about this. And he said that, you know, it's an interesting thing right there because David is an amazing warrior. Think of who David is. You know, he slayed Goliath. He, he fought the Philistines. He won numerous, numerous, numerous campaigns and battles when he was under the uh, Saul, right? And so David was, ever since he was called out of the, the field as a, as a shepherd, he was, he was an amazing man on the battlefield. He was a warrior, an amazing leader for God's army, Israel, on the battlefield, okay? So in this beginning, David's king now, right? And, and it's saying that David, he excused himself from the battle. He, he absented himself from the battle. And he sent Joab into battle, and it says he remained in Jerusalem. So right there, first lesson is don't ever excuse yourself from the battle. We are all in a battle. We are all called to enter into battle with our families, with our friends, with those around us, with humanity. Christ entered into humanity to fight with us, to fight for us. He didn't sit back on his throne and say, I hope you guys make it. He entered in. So David was beginning to kind of get soft, if you will. David was starting to lose um, the warrior spirit. And so the next line then says what? It says, David woke up from his siesta in the evening. Right there, siestas end in the afternoon, right? Not in the evening. So he must be sleeping a lot. So you can kind of sense a spiritual laziness setting into David's life, right? And then it says, he strolled about on the roof. And that's where he spied and saw it, uh, a Bathsheba bathing, beautiful woman. He's attracted to her. And then he sends his servants out and it says they, they were sent out and they took Bathsheba, right? And then we know David commits the sin of adultery with Bathsheba. Okay, so he commits the sin of adultery. And then what? And then, hoping to cover up his sin, what does he do? He tries to get Uriah, the husband of Bathsheba, drunk so that he could go and sleep with his wife Bathsheba. And then if, you know, obviously Bathsheba's pregnant, so he wants to cover all this up, right? So the point is what? It doesn't work, right? Because Uriah's faithful. He's a faithful um man of God. He, he wants to serve the king. And what's interesting here is um, 
Uriah is a Hittite. He's not even a, a son of Israel. Whereas David is a son of Israel and he's slacking. And then Uriah the Hittite who's you know, being faithful to the David, to the king. And, and Uriah says something to the degree that, how can I go home and be with my wife when all of my brothers are out on the battlefield fighting? I mean, David had to start to feel like a little bit uncomfortable with that, right? Because David was slacking himself or kind of kind of holding himself back and above and starting to, um, again, lose that... Get your hands dirty. You know, we got to get in there. We got to fight. We can't just sit back and let others. We got to be in the fight, in the game. Get in it. Get your hands dirty. Don't be afraid to work and serve with those around you, right? In the kingdom of God. And so what happens? Well, Uriah is, David has Uriah put on the front lines where the battle's fierce and he gets killed. Um, And then this is where the first reading in today's uh, gospel happens. Um, this is the 11th Sunday of Ordinary Time, um, year C. And so Uriah is killed. And then now what happens? God wants to get close to David. Even though David is felled miserably, he committed adultery and murder. God wants to get close to David. And so what does he do? He sends a prophet into his life. He sends Nathan into his life. How do you respond when God sends a prophet into your life when you've sinned? Think about that. How do you deal with the prophet God sends you? Maybe your wife is being a prophet for you right now. Maybe your husband's being a prophet for you. Maybe your kids are being a prophet for you. You know, like mom and dad, we should go to church, right? Your kids are being a prophet. Right? Or maybe a friend or a family member is being a prophet to you. So, so God's going to send prophets into our lives because He loves us. He wants to get close to us. And He knows we need to have our conscience rocked or shaked a bit. He needs, to, he, he needs us to acknowledge our need for a Savior, our need to repent. We need to see our sin. And so David has thought he was going to get away with all this. And little did he know, you know, Nathan comes in and he, he tells this story to David, right? He says, David, King David, my king, there's something terrible happening in, in the kingdom and I need to tell you, tell you about it. And so he tells this story about this rich man who has many livestock and he has uh, friends coming um, and he wants to slaughter a, a, a lamb to have a feast with his friends as he's a rich man and he wants to have this great feast and and he says there and there's a poor man who has one measly mere little ewe lamb which he raised from uh, from its beginnings and it eats from his own morsels and drinks from his own cup and it's become like a pet to him and and this rich man being a dominant arrogant man what does he do he instead of taking one of his many many all of the things that he has of his kingdom, of his, of his thing, he says, uh, of his uh, livestock, he, he takes the poor man's ewe and slaughters and kills it. And he has a feast with his friends. And David, it says, is furious and outraged in the scripture, it says. And what happens? He says, this man shall certainly die. David said, this man should die. And he said, this man should pay four times back what he took from this poor man. And then one of the greatest one-liners in the whole of the Old Testament, what happens, Nathan says to David, thou art the man. Meaning, David, it's you who took the poor, you, from this man. 
you killed Uriah. That's basically what he's saying. You tried covering up your sin with Bathsheba by having Uriah killed. And so David must have felt, I don't know, probably felt like terrible at that point, right? So how do you respond when like you're convicted of, think about when we're convicted of our sin, how do we respond to the Lord? How do you respond when you're convicted of your sin in your life, right? Now, so we look now at the New Testament. We look at the gospel, right? And in today's gospel, you have Jesus dining with a very high, you know, high society, largely popular or, if you will, very um, prestigious dinner at one of the Pharisees' house. We have these great religious leaders. And what happens is this woman comes busting in and she's obviously, obviously known to live a life that's not of God and she's living this life as a prostitute and, and she runs up to Christ and she cries at his feet and wipes his feet with her tears and her hair. And, and Simon, one of the great Pharisees of, of the dinner there says, when he saw all this taking place and, 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 and going down, he said, you know, if this man were a prophet, he would know what sort of woman it is who is touching him. Remember I said God's whole plan is to let him get close to us? God's whole plan of salvation history is to get close to us. Because being close to God is equal to being saved. Being saved. So when we're close to God, we can let God show us our sin. We could ask God for forgiveness for the sins we see with our own free will. We can let Jesus into our lives as Lord and Savior. We can develop a personal relationship with the Lord. But Simon, that Pharisee, is very uncomfortable. Just as David was probably really uncomfortable when, when Nathan spoke the truth to him and he, he thought he was going to get away with it and he realized, you know, well, I'm the king. I can kind of get away with things. I can use my power and, and dominate and kind of no one will ever know. But little did he know, God knows everything. You and I are always subject to the king who is God himself. David started to place himself above God rather than letting God be over him. David started to separate himself from the people rather than being a king with the people. Okay, so... Think about these things. These are lessons. Don't excuse yourself from the battle. Dive in and fight for your family. And in some sense, just a little footnote to all this is, you know, David strolled about on the roof after his siesta. He's withdrawn from the battle. And he spies on Bathsheba and he he takes her. This is kind of like in a modern day parable, you might say, there's this man who begins viewing pornography. And he, instead of being in the battle with his family, He's strolling about, you know, on the internet and he's viewing pornography, meaning he's, he's, he's not being a man. He's not being the warrior he's called to be for his family and his children and his wife. He's not being who God created him to be. Okay, same thing, right? And God's going to send prophets into that man's life or that woman's life or that child's life or whoever you are, whoever I am, whoever we are listening, God is sending prophets to us daily. The church is there. Now, when you experience God's closeness and you see your sin, you have two ways you're going to respond. You're going to get angry. You're going to say, who are, who are they to judge me? You know, how can you, you know, who are you to say that? You know, 
I'm doing this wrong or that wrong, or the church is out of date, the church is old-fashioned, the church needs to get up with the times, and then we run out of the church, or we run out of the presence of the prophet, or we want the prophet, we say, shut up, or we want the person to just be quiet. We get angry when we're convicted of our sin, don't we, right? We want to slay the prophets. And so the Lord says what to you and I? Let's, like David, praise be Jesus, you know, we get on our knees and we turn to the Lord, We turn to the Lord, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. So we ask God to forgive us. Now, the next line in that gospel reading with the sinful woman, imagine the scene. I mean, they're all watching this woman like hang on, cry at and wipe Jesus' feet with her hair. They're, They're scandalized by how God would let or how Jesus would let someone so sinful be so close to him. This is God speaking to you right now, to me. He's speaking to you. Like, let the word of God renew your mind and heart. Let God speak to you about how he loves you, who he is. God's not afraid to get close to you. I always say this. If you remember anything, remember this. We never get our life together so we can be close to God. We let God get close to us so God can put our life together. Let me say that again. We never get our life together to get close to God. Rather, we let God get close to us so God will put our life together. David was letting God get close to him by being convicted of his sin, right? The sinful woman, she ran to Christ. This is how we should go to Mass, running to the Mass, running to the Eucharist, receiving him, bowing down in adoration in our hearts like, oh my God, thank you, Jesus. Who am I that you would die for me? That those wounds, those piercings are for me. That you were crowned and spit upon for me. That you went through all of the cruel treatment for me. That you were scourged so your skin came off your back for me. This is God. We got to become fools for the Lord, meaning let yourself fall in love with God. Let yourself fall in love. Let yourself fall in love with the Lord. Be a fool for Christ. Because see, in your mind right now, our minds want to limit the Lord. We we, we have a hard time surrendering to what I'm preaching right now. And what I'm saying to you, this is the truth. God wants to get close to you and I. And right after that, it says, Simon, let me tell you a story. Jesus said to the Pharisee, Simon, he says, let me tell you a, a, a parable or a story. He's like, there was a one man who owed 50 days wages and another man who had 500 days wages he says they were both unable to pay the debt and he forgave them both who will love him more and Simon says well I suppose the one who was forgiven more and Jesus says you've judged rightly and so think about this you can't buy or earn or merit letting God get close to you again if I get my life together I'll merit being close to God. Lie, 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 lie. Renounce that. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie that I have to get my life together to be close to Him. That is a lie. That's from Satan. Because if you believe that, you don't need Jesus. Because that means you can get your life together. So why would God have to become man if you can do it yourself? doesn't make any sense. That means everything He did on the cross is a waste. And we need to repent of that. That's sin. That's pride. That's a lie. And if that lie is taking root, it's going to separate us from God rather than let God get close to us, okay? So God forgives if we let Him get close to us and show us our sins. We repent. He'll forgive us. He'll renew us. 
We'll recover that warrior spirit. We'll recover that sense of wanting to be with the people, entering into getting our hands dirty, serving and loving and pouring our lives out as the woman who broke the oil over the the, the costly perfume and just lavishly wasted it on the feet of Jesus. This is what God wants for you and I is to spill out our life. That, That perfume is like our time, our talent and our treasure to pour it out on our children, our wife, our husbands. Pour it out into your family. Pour it out onto the poor, the hungry, homeless, the hungry, the sick, the imprisoned. Pour it out. Pour out your life as a libation. Pour it out. And this is the spirit of Jesus, isn't it? This is how we deliver the world from evil. This is how we fulfill the Our Father. Deliver us from every evil. Deliver us, Lord. God wants to live through you. Do you believe that? Right now, get on your knees or wherever you're at. Just listen and pray. Jesus, I know I can do nothing without you. Sometimes I try, Lord, but I can do nothing without you. And so, Lord, right here, as I listen right now, I know you're right here with me, whether it be in the car, in my house, wherever I am right now, outside. You're with me right now, right here. And you hear my prayer. I'm praying with you right now, Lord. And I ask that you give me the grace to let you come closer to me, Jesus. And I ask you to show me my sins, Lord. I'm not afraid because you are love, you are forgiveness. So Lord, I, in your name, ask you to come close now and heal me, forgive me, deliver me. Give me the grace, Lord, to experience my love for you and your love for me. Give me the grace to let you be my Lord, my Savior, and deliver. Help me to be like Mary, to let you enter into my life. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And my brothers and sisters, I hope you can take some nuggets from this and your soul's being fed. I just want to encourage you to continue to just tap in and feed your soul daily. You need to listen to God's Word daily. Dive into the scriptures, open your Bibles, dust them off, read the scripture, read the New Testament, read the Gospels, just read through them. Pray the stories. They're for you. They're for me. You are David. I'm David. You're the sinful woman. I'm the sinful woman. We're called to let God get close to us. These stories were told so that you and I could today experience the same exact beauty and closeness of God. So I want to ask you to also... You know, spread the word, share this with others, share this with friends. Um, I have a SoundCloud account. If you know what SoundCloud is, you just go to SoundCloud on the internet and you can search Father Michael Voidhofer and you can subscribe or you can follow and you'll get these um, homilies or brief teachings that I do here and there. And it's a way to feed your soul, feed your soul. And if you can, always ask if you can donate a little bit. That would be great. I have a little uh, link on the SoundCloud that you can donate so that I can continue to grow the ministry of getting the Word of God out. We got to get the Word. There's so many people that are sitting in the pews that are just going through their religious motions that don't know that He loves them. They, they've gotten used to whatever. I don't know. It's like this, this uh, they've gotten stuck, right? 
We've all been there. Maybe we are there. I don't know. But God wants to awaken the church. We are a sleeping giant. The Catholic Church is a sleeping giant. If we wake up, the world will never be the same. And there's believers like you and me and people that are listening right now that want to help wake up. So pray for those who are unbelievers. Pray for those who in your families that have left the church. They don't know what they're walking away from. They've never experienced or tasted His amazing love in the Eucharist. So support, pray, and uh, fast, fast. We need to fast more. And read your Bibles. And may Almighty God bless you with the power of the Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.